the world is changed and the rate of change right now has accelerated past our ability to deal with it. And that's, we're catching up. It isn't gonna be like we look up one day and on June 16th or 22nd, it's all over. It doesn't work that way. It's how do we emerge and evolve and keep taking the blessings, removing the obstacles and deal with it. And that's called business. Welcome to Tractionville, the podcast for companies running on EOS. I'm your host, Chris White, along with my co-host, Benjamin Miller. And today we are excited. Uh, we have Sue Hawks. Do I need to say any more? Really? It's Sue Hawks, y'all. Sue Hawks is a certified EOS implementer and the founder CEO of Yes. Sue, welcome to Tractionville. Thanks for having me, Chris and Benj. <laughs> So we appreciate you getting up bright and early on a cold, wintry Minnesota morning, but I bet it's beautiful out your window. Uh, I know you live on a lake, so it's got to be a great work environment. And I thought I'd kick things off with this question. What's it been like to have virtual sessions as a U.S. implementer? You know, we were pre-gaming this before we got on the podcast, and I will tell you, I love it. I miss seeing people in person. Nothing will ever replace that, quite yeah. honestly. But I embraced it wholeheartedly. And I think it has been a blast and a half. I think there are incredible gains, incredible efficiencies, a lot of a learning curve. Um, I've integrated a number of technologies to make it more collaborative and engaging than just Zoom and you know, back and forth. Um, and learning that and pushing my own self through it. You know, I think you said it best when you said it was probably a month and a half of, you know, kind of holy shit. And this is hard. Yeah. You, oh, wow. No commute. (laughs) Fabulous. I just got, you know, a couple hours back in my day and my clients, I have clients I've never met face to face. Um, it's mind blowing and wonderful, wonderful. And do I miss seeing people? Yeah, I've had enough in person sessions safely, that it's a good balance and a good contrast, but I'm never going back to only in person, I will do either forever. How do you feel about that bench? Well, I think I would, I mean, I agree. I, you, I love really? the balance. Um, I, it's interesting though, as I reflect, there are, there are companies that do better on zoom than others. And I haven't quite figured out what that is or what the commonality there is. Maybe it's just hit or miss, but for some it's great. They don't skip a beat for some, uh, you just miss a little of the chemistry that can happen in the, the room. I'm curious, what are the, some of those other tools for zoom? I know one of my frustrations as an implementer, um, doing remote, is I have the hardest time telling when people are like done writing, you know, you're supposed to spend five quiet minutes and you don't want to rush them, but you don't want to leave them there like way too long, wasting their time. And so it's like really hard, like, Hey, you guys, you guys done over there. Um, So that that's my biggest frustration, but it's silly in the, in the middle of things. So what are some of those other technologies that you're using to spruce it up? So Chris got to see a couple of things when I was leading something at the QCE. There's one called Mentimeter. I mean, I can send all of this to you guys. There's um, 
another one called Fun Retro, which changed their name to Easy Retro. Um, there are a number of collaborative tools. Um, there's a whole list of them. Again, I, I would rather send them to you than yeah. list them out because I think for the listeners, they're going to want to, um, you know, poke their eyes out with a stick. Um, <laughs> but well, tell us what they do for you. Yeah. So, what? Like a Mentimeter, you can create word clouds and everybody can be participating with their phone using a QR code that you just flash on the screen and everybody's collaborating on polls and on things at the same time. So that efficiency you'd never have with us with a whiteboard, you know, using a combination of your iPad or I have a fancy camera called an IPVO that I can, um, it's a document camera. And you need a mixing board and all the things that are all over my desk now to be able to do this. But, you know, my whole desk is a whiteboard. So I can write just like I would be writing a note on my whiteboard on my desk. It's actually pretty cool. And you can take snapshots and you can yeah. screenshot things. And so I think to the benefit of the client, there are efficiencies, again, in the collaborative part where we're all contributing or on easy retro. I do, you know, rock candidates and then rocks and then, you know, company rocks and individual rocks. Everybody can be posting them. And it's a simple, simple website, but you can drag and drop things from column to column. So if it was in the candidates, you can move it to where it goes. The person who wrote it can edit right on it while mm. you're talking and you're all making them smart together, but you're all looking at it on the screen. Again, instead of me trying to write as fast as I can in my scribbly yeah. writing, it's all done. And then you export a PDF when you're done and they're, they're done. Now, if they're not on 90 yet, which they should be, you know, that's where I look up. And I also have used 90 a ton because there's so many ways to collaborate within there. But all of these other things engage people's brains and engage them differently. I have music playing always when I start. I have music playing on the breaks. When I give them five quiet minutes, I'll mix in my Spotify, which again, with my mixing board, I can do really easily. But I just say when the music stops, the break's over, mm -hmm. you know, so they're listening for, and I put on high energy music for every break. I take a break every hour to hour and a half. You know, there are ways to make it so dynamic that I, like you, Benj, have clients who have said, this is way more fun. And for technology companies, if you have any tech companies who live there, They've been doing this forever. This is not a change in their game plan. They're like, thanks for making it easy. We yeah. don't want to come see you and we don't want you to come see us. Once a year is fine. Thank you. You know, and it's not because they don't enjoy it. It's just, this is how they work. Mm -hmm. I had a, a virtual, a virtual company. They work virtually as a client pre pandemic. And I feel like it was a huge eye opener for me because they taught me so much in that session. Mm -hmm. And I forget exactly how it happened, but somehow we ended up with a, shared spreadsheet and everybody's just typing all at once and it's filling up. I'm like, this just saved us 20 minutes of going around the table, me trying to listen and write at the same time. And I mean, it was like instant. And then our ability to manipulate that and everybody's looking at it and working on it. It was really cool. So I think that little, little experience for me kind of primed me for like, oh, they, there could actually be advantages, not just equalized, like we got to make this as good, but there are some ways we can actually make it better. 
Do you need help hiring your next superstar? Have you ever hired someone to learn that they don't align with your culture and core values? VisionSpark is the go-to resource for companies running on EOS. Their team of search professionals are experts in people. VisionSpark's proprietary process ensures that you hire the right person for long-term cultural fit and bottom-line growth. Let VisionSpark strengthen the people component of your business. VisionSpark, right search, right team, right seats. You can visit VisionSpark at visionsparksearch.com. That's a great segue into your what you're doing now and yeah. about the academy. Tell us, tell us all about that. Well, so my life pre-EOS was all teaching and training. I mean, I've been in the human potential world forever. So I owned an international coaching certification company. So I taught and certified coaches. So I have all kinds of curriculum. Like our issue is not content. I have oodles of that. I just haven't been doing anything with it. I've been doing EOS and I've been working with other clients that I have large companies and small, large like Owens Corning in the billions of dollars, you know, where they go, oh, we need someone who can talk to us about communication. And so finally, again, while I'm making all this investment, I'm going, why don't we just turn this all into self-guided programs and the combination of when we can get back in person, building to building big events, but giving people a way to learn on their own for free or for fee to be able to self-guide something, to be able to work with me a little bit or to be able to work with me a lot. And we have, you know, kind of the three, three-tiered sandwich, if you will. And we're just building that out. And again, for me, that's fun. Like I'm learning and all of this contributes to that. So just like when you guys were making a tech tool, you're going, this is solving problems for people because they can't get together and learning doesn't have to be boring because it's on a screen. It actually can be engaging and you can have feelings and cry and get engaged in ways I don't think most people are doing. And I'm involved in another community called Exchange. Based on appreciative inquiry, that's where I met Nick actually. And everyone in there has ninja skills at facilitating online in a way that feels like you're in person. And I'm working on a collaboration with EOS right now and getting them to talk because so much of what we do is too static, even in the session room. And what I've been able to upskill myself, just knowing these guys, like I'm, I'm having a blast with it. And I don't get done at the end of the day online and go, I want to zoom out. I'm tired. I'm like, this yeah. is just as fun. I do miss people, but I don't miss them. Like I couldn't do this all day, every day. I can for 10 and 12 hours a day. Wow. No zoom fatigue. Well, I wouldn't say no, that might be <laughs> stretching it. The work we do is hard work. Yeah. You know, I think it looks like, oh, you stand in a room and you make people do hard things. But, you know, when you're dealing with rough stuff from team health issues, that's fatiguing. I don't care if you're in person or on a screen, yeah. you're like, yeah. geez, I just worked through that with that team. I've got to go, you know, for me, get on a paddleboard or I need to go for a bike ride or I need to just take a walk with my dog yeah. because I got to get recentered more than I'm fatigued from the screen. Yeah. 
Sue, I'm reminded of uh, when I first met you. It was at the very first EOS conference. Um, and, and I had a limited knowledge of the, the people and players, but I knew some people and I knew the names of the honey badgers going in. Some, some people <laughs> yes. remember the honey badgers, but um, the honey badgers had some swag about them and you especially. So here's, here's Sue Hawks um, and you walk in the room and, and you just, you have an air about you, an air of confidence, an air of, I, I know what I'm doing. Um, and other people see it and appreciate it. But at the same time, you were so kind to me. Um, and we actually got to sit next to each other at dinner that night um, and just thoroughly enjoyed our, our time. And that combination was palpable. Um, and now it makes so much sense. You're, you were like, I bet you've been on a mission your entire life. But now your mission, um, you're taking your mission to a movement. So talk about your movement. And what you've been about, how long has this been? Two years, three years? Uh, 2017 was when I wrote the book. Okay, longer than that. So yeah. talk about the book, talk about, and now it's, you know, we can get all the swag we'd ever want because <laughs> it's such a big deal. So talk about, talk about your movement. Well, first of all, how do you even thank you? I mean, that's just so sweet because I remember, as soon as you said that, I went, oh, we had such a great time at that conference. You know, um, I wouldn't describe myself that way. So it's really touching to hear that. It makes me a little teary. And um, that was just as meaningful to me as it might've been for you because I was honored to be in the Honey Badgers. I didn't feel equipped to be around the Chris Whites of the world. Those guys were the people who had come before me. And I was the youngster in that tenure, you know? So we all have our perspective of, who people are and how that happens. And of course, we're always on the bottom of the pile. Um, but writing the book uh, was terrifying, awful, and um, cathartic. And I would tell you, I'm not, I don't think of myself as an author and I write every day. I write a blog every day of my life. I made a commitment from a challenge from Seth Godin. And he said, the first thousand are the hardest. And he said, write every single day, write a blog every day or a journal entry. And I'm like, well, I already journal. If I made it public, that would be good because the accountability for me is about not looking bad, right? It's just that simple. So when I read the, wrote the book, it was a way of just encapsulating my journey from having failed at so many things to building practices of discipline because our clients for all three of us are not disciplined people. They are brilliant, genius, competent people, but they're not disciplined. That's why we, I always say that's how I justify my living. But the part that's missing to me, because I love EOS, I love why we're here. I love what you guys are doing. I want to see all of us thrive and our clients, because when we thrive, they do and vice versa. But when I think about it, I have been on a mission. I, in a very sincere, this is going to sound so sappy, but I want to know that having been on this planet for whatever that time frame that I have is mattered. And I want to know that people were better for it. And anytime I'm not helping and making people better, including myself, I feel like I'm failing. And I take that really seriously. You know, mm. my podcast is called Intentional Greatness because 
I think people have to have it not only for their business, but also for themselves and their life. And I think often the business wins at the expense of you and your life. And that's where my other focus is. So the movement is on whatever that definition of, I hate the word balance, but that secret sauce that evolves throughout your lifetime, like what it looks like in your 20s is not the same as in your 30s, is not the same as when your kids are growing, is not the same as when you have grandchildren, right? And so we need to be vigilant about reassessing life with a vengeance because things change and we don't always recalibrate all the other stuff. And then we have to be in pain so that we change something rather than let me take stock. Like this year, just like we've all done what we're talking about, I'm using this course we have, a 2020 reset, to get perspective. Let me look personally and professionally. What do I want to start? Based on what I'm learning, what's all the stuff that's catalyzing and energizing and exciting and making me better and making my clients better and making the world better? Let me make a list of that. What do I want to stop Like I was diamond on Delta, still am, thankfully, because they're gracious. I never want that again. I love to travel. I will never travel for work the way I have been doing again. I just won't. As soon as it stopped, I'm like, I was tired. Yeah. And I have a ton of energy anyway, but I'm like, I've never felt so good as this year. So what's that list of stuff that's just got to go away because it's not serving me in how I serve people? And maybe I was doing fine, but I wasn't doing great. And I wasn't helping people to the maximum capacity I have. And then what's the stuff that if I look at it, it didn't change because it's good stuff and I got to keep that. So it's that start, stop, continue. And you got to do it personally. And you got to do it professionally and you got to write it down because we have short memories. I love, I, I think, you know, I, I too have a disdain for the word balance. Cause like, what do you, what, what does that mean? And is it supposed to be 50, 50 and it, like, ba- like that is weird, but your other word you used is, that struck me was intentional because I think intentional is what we, what we need, whatever your ratio is, whatever your ratio looks like, that's where you've got to be intentional. And what I see with the business leaders, I was on the phone with one this morning, business is going great, but he's got 2000 emails in his inbox that he can't catch up with. I know that he's taking meetings after hours which this dude has six kids. So there's an impact there, right? So um, I think the next evolution of what we get to do with businesses is helping people realize that this can go all the way into this discipline idea, this setting focus and priorities can go all the way through their lives. It doesn't have to end when they leave the office. Amen. I know people that run EOS in their marriage. That might be a bit much. Um, it works well, but it's a bit much for a lot of people. Um, but maybe there's a tool or two you could take home. I, I will tell you, my husband and I do the personal VTO and we do it this time of year and I've been doing it for five years. It has saved us in so many ways. It really, really works because, you know, I'm the partner who thinks we can get everything done that year and and it's all possible. That's my role. I'm the fun bringer. 
He is the voice of sanity, reason, you know, all the same good stuff. And so when we have to navigate, you know, here's what I think we're capable of this year. We get plans so that the honeydew list never gets out of control. He's he loves it. He's like, cool, I know exactly, and I've agreed to it, and you agree to it. And it's not this evolving thing where one day he's resentful of me or I'm resentful of him. It's it's been a game changer. And again, sitting down and writing down what are the trips you want to take when travel opens up? Yeah. How does that, how do you schedule those? First, you know, these are the things I talk to people about is put your vacation. If you really want to be ballsy, put your vacation on your calendar first. How much time off will you have? And work backward from there and then see where work fits in. Because this year, if anything, for those people you were talking about, Benj, painful. You know, Chris, you just had your grandson over. Like, that's a time to reassess and realign. Like, what does this mean? How do I want it to impact my life? How how do I want this interaction in my relationships with my work? And for me personally, because I would say for the women leaders I know, we're more guilty of I'm not in the equation. That's last. So I challenge the women to go, tell me what perfect looks like. Show me what reality is. And then let's work between the two because- you have to be, you got to have your oxygen mask on first, which is one of the chapters, because I was taking care of everybody at one point in my life at my own expense. And it was fast backwards. Mm-hmm. And I just looked up and went, Jesus, you know, I'm going to crash and burn. And then nobody will be taking care of anything. And I literally, one of the things I talk about is lowering the bar. It's in the workshop because what do we hear? Oh, you got to work out three times a week. Why? Why is it three times a week? You know, I get that's optimal right now. If you are doing zero, that's not optimal. That's failure. So how do you get 10 minutes a day in? Or how do you take a break and run up and down your stairs? Or as my daughter and I were talking, I said, I'm wrapping presents. It's Christmas time while we're recording. So I'm wrapping gifts. I put two or three when they're done and I run them down to the tree because I'm wrapping them upstairs and then I run back up. Why? Because it gets me a little extra movement. It's not effortful. It doesn't tire me out, but it's a way of mentally saying, I move all the time. I move every hour. If that's not your gig, you can say, one time a week, I'm going to spend 30 minutes on myself. You know, you, there are 15 ways to slice this, but we get this, I got to go to the gym three times a week. That's it. Why do so many people suck with resolutions? Because they don't work. You didn't rearrange your life. You added one more thing in and exactly. you already couldn't get it done. Exactly. It's already a failure. Yeah. Maybe you guys have heard me talk about this, but I don't, I don't think the idea of integrator visionary are on a spectrum at opposite ends. I think visionary is on a spectrum with victim and we are visionaries in our businesses and we fail to be visionaries for our own life. And so if we can take that idea of going into the future, seeing the ideal and bringing that back to build a plan right now, we can become the visionary we want to be for our own life. And I love the way you just articulated it. powerful. I hope everybody wrote that down. (laughs) I'm serious. That was cool. That was a really good synopsis, Ben. You got to write about that. Do a whole podcast on that one. 
All right. So you've mentioned your book a few times, but you haven't dropped the name. <laughs> well, marketing may not be my strength, right? <laughs> um, it, <laughs> it's Chasing Perfection. And then the subtitle is Shatter the Illusion, Minimize Self-Doubt and Maximize Success. Sue, you've got a um, you've got a keynote coming up. Yeah. For EOS. Yeah. Is is it okay to ask for a sneak peek? Absolutely. Why not? It's us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm scared to death. I mean, if there's what? an audience, because it's human. I, I you know I'd be lying if I didn't say that. You know, it feels really important. You guys are all people who I both respect and admire and trust as peers. And there's nothing harder to me than performing in front of people who are as good as you are, if not better. Um, it's our clients and they're all counting on us, you know? And so to me, it's like, oh, this better be good. Um, and then at the same time, EOS Worldwide has asked for a lot. Like they're going, oh, you have to synopsize the workshops and whatnot. And I'm like, oh, there's only 30 of those. There's an hour. <laughs> um, so, you know, some of it feels a little overwhelming, but the, the idea and the main topic is going to be about, it's called moving from uncertain to unstoppable. So it follows right along with the book. Um, but it's really moving people from this chaotic world we've been, you know, the subtitle for it is when chaos, chaos comes to call, um, because it's been chaotic. I don't care if you're on the winning side of business or it's, you've been one of the businesses that's been really damaged over the pandemic, um, but the combination and being in Minnesota where racial unrest has been such a peak thing and the trials will start soon. You know, it's, it's volatile here. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just, it's a palpable thing, whether you're working on a screen or otherwise. And so this hybrid world of, you know, I, I, again, Benji, you and I are such kindred spirits this way. I'm irritated entirely when people are like, I can't wait to reach the new normal or, you know, today's normal, or if we can go back to the way that it was and get back to normal. I'm like, normal is a funny word that way. It, there's no such thing. Like, tell me a day of your life that's been normal, just right. anybody. What does that even mean? It means I have some level of security, predictability, and comfort. Okay, good. If you are breathing, that's as far as it's going to go because the world is change and the rate of change right now has accelerated past our ability to deal with it. And that's, we're catching up, right? So this, this distance working and learning and schooling from home and upping our bandwidth and all the things we're doing in our homes that we used to do in common community-based environments has pluses, minuses, and, you know, again, start, stop, continues. Essential businesses never had the luxury of working from home or parts of their business didn't. They have had to figure out how do you work safely at a distance during a pandemic when pe people's lives are literally at stake when you're manufacturing things. Like that's not something you should have to deal with, but they did. And we all had to solve 10 million problems in a really condensed window of time. And then it continues. There are businesses that have benefited from distancing 
And they're going, we gained efficiencies. Oh, maybe we need less office space or maybe we need shifts to come in or certain days of the week. And there are efficiencies gained. And I think just about everyone would say they worked harder this year than they ever had in their life, regardless of how it looked. And then there are businesses that are completely distanced and working from home and it's working. So how do you mash all that together? Because pandemics don't end. It isn't going to be like we look up one day and on June 16th or 22nd, it's all over. It doesn't work that way. It's how do we emerge and evolve and keep taking the blessings, removing the obstacles and deal with it. And that's called business, but it's happening at a pace we don't necessarily know how to manage. That's my two cents. And that's what we're going to talk about because we've got to do that and balance our lives too. You know, think about companies thinking about travel right now, since that's a hot button for me. I just, I have heard more people say, was the amount of travel we were doing necessary because they're looking at their expense sheet going, we saved, I have one of my clients said we saved $2 million not having our sales force travel between the expenses, the dinners, the socializing, the airfare, et cetera. And they said that went straight to the bottom line. And now they're going, you know, for a while you're going, how do we make customers feel connected and feel special? Well, we found ways. So how do you now have a process and retool yourself to say, when is it warranted that we get on a plane? When is it not? What equates to that? And every business has to, you know, figure out their tolerance, their thresholds and what works that way. But it's never going to be, oh, just get on the plane and go. I don't think any of us will do that anymore. Yeah. And, you know, the 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 other data point on the other side of that, you know, the, the two mil that went to the bottom line, the other data point is, hey, we're hitting our numbers. No kidding. We don't need to really do all that travel. We've proven, you know, we figured it out to your point, but they're hitting their numbers. And I've got several clients, they're just like, we're not going back. Right. We're going to keep going this way. Uh, We'll figure it out as we go with regards to the actual face-to-face meeting. But for now, our vendors, our clients are operating just like we are. We're getting business done and, and we're selling, we're hitting our numbers and we're more profitable. And I think that's a benefit of everyone having to do it together. Yes. That's not going to be the case when we emerge into some some state of safety again, right? Because everybody doesn't have to do it together. And that's where there'll be the new friction points of, well, I want to see you in person and someone going, sorry, we don't do it that way. Yeah. How do we navigate that? Because that's coming. But if we think about it now, we aren't, we're unified. And that's why it made it maybe a little bit easier. But I think that might be overstepping to say anything in 2020 was easier. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a valid point, though. All right, Sue, we're going to have, I think, 100 links in the show notes between (laughs) all of your different properties and books and workshops and implementation practice uh, and the conference where your keynote uh, and all the tools that you've given us. Uh, that we can put in there that that are be helpful to a lot of people, implementers, companies out there. But as we wrap, you've got Tractionville. We could sit here and talk all day, the three of us. But you resonate so strongly with the leaders, the managers that are out there in Tractionville. What's one piece of wisdom, advice, encouragement that you would want to leave us with today? 
You know, again, I go to Sappy because that's in my heart and soul where I am. And that is, you know, you have a unique contribution to give that no one else does. Never doubt that. And the second part is to make the most of today because it's the only day we have. And never in a year have I seen that more true because too much we live in the future. And I think that's where the rub has been. And too much has been, oh, we didn't do versus this is it. Don't be lamenting that. Prepare mm. for it. But know that, you know, if if every year taught me anything, I don't know shit about the future. And there's nothing certain there. But today, I know what I've got. How do I maximize that? Yeah. I'm so grateful to both of you for this. Yeah, that's a great. Story. It's our pleasure. Tractionville, if this was helpful, if you liked it, rate us on your favorite uh, podcast app, share it with a friend, and we'll see you back next week for Tractionville Tuesday. Mm-hmm.